Welcome back to C3. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Jordan. Grab a cocktail and have a seat while we talk about some crimes and our crippling depression. What's giving you crippling depression today, Jordan? So I don't necessarily have crippling depression, um, but yesterday I wore my retainer at work because I had an orthodontist appointment this morning to get a new one. And I got it today. I got my teeth molded and shaved and stuff, so not very fun. Shaved and does not sound pleasant to me. Do yeah, they numb you for that? No, it's just like the top of your teeth. The sound is what's worse, You can't honestly. feel it? Mm-mm. It's just the sound. Um, but I have really thin teeth, so they were chipped. But I came over, and I had just left from picking it up, and I, they had me put it in. And I didn't think to ask, hey, how do I take this out? Because it's, I'm used to, like, the old school, like, you know, whole metal piece thing and not plastic, and I could not get it out that I had to call them, and they had to tell me, like, just rip it out of your mouth. Oh, no. For the first few times. Yeah, so for the first few times, I'm going to struggle to take it out, and that's not very comforting, but I thought I was going to break my teeth off after I just got them filed. Knock it out. I'm so scared about chipping my teeth because they already crack on their own because they're thin, so I was like, I'm going to break a tooth, and she was like, it's fine, just yank it, and I was like, okay. I'm not going to name her, but the one girl... We both worked with at Walmart. She's still there. She said the other day she went to open a Don't you dare. piece of cake Stop. container for her child. And one, like the front half of her tooth just went flying across the room. And she said immediate tears started. And she had to go I would lose to the my dentist shit. the next day and get teeth removed. and put. She already had fake teeth in. Um, but she had to get more fake teeth put in. And so now her middle four are fake but her canines are real and the canines look like vampire teeth she's like yeah i have to go in so they round them out i was like no i'd keep them i was like oh my god i would lose my shit if that ever happened to me like that is literally my worst fear is like my teeth falling out or cracking really bad and i already have like half of that going for Mm -hmm. me so i have nightmares about my teeth falling out yeah same i think that means something and i don't want to know what it means so so i'm just gonna stay in my once upon a time my ex told me it means that you're guilty but i'm not so like i ain't guilty of shit me either. So. I stand by my truth. <laughs> Ain't changing my mind today. But what about you, Colin? Uh, I don't really have super anything. Um, a little bit because I still have to go to work at McDonald's tomorrow morning. However, that is going to be my last shift. So I will have more time to put into this. And I'm going to stop being a lazy bitch. And I'm going to give people on Patreon what they're paying for. And Period. Yeah. Also, com. slight update. Um, I did update our instagram page to have the email included so if anyone ever wants to contact us about a correction you can go to c.3 podcast um and you can find us and you can send an email and we'll be able to read it and do a correction if there's anything that's ever wrong that you guys notice period i'm also going to at some point in the near future get a link tree set up so that way it's all just fucking there and people can click on whatever they need to but sorry we're not gonna have an accountant account on there no, maybe one day. You never know. I do plan <laughs> I on selling feet pics, so stay on the lookout, bitches. <laughs> Period. Um, so we are covering, it was a last minute, like, hey, let's just cover this, but it's going to be cops that became serial killers, whoop and whoop. Jordan is going to take the lead today. All right, so basically, my sources were Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and Murder, 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 um, quite literally. But um, everybody reports the same thing, so I don't think that there's too much information about him. So it might not be the easiest flowing story, but I'm going to do my best because I type my little heart out. And it is in Germany, so there's going to be a lot of mispronunciation. Just bear with me, have a good laugh at me, and we'll be good. Norbert Pollock was born on September 15th, 1951 in Stuttgart, Germany. And Pollock was a police officer in Baden-Württemberg. And he was employed from... 
1982 as a high-ranking sergeant um, of the K-9 division. After winning 36,000 mark um, from the lottery, he built a house for his family, which was his wife, two sons, and a daughter, um, in the village in Bagnag. I'm butchering this so bad, (laughs) where he took care of the finances. And after the construction of the family home, they actually went severely into debt. Mm -hmm. And in March of 1984, his daughter Cordula died from a brain tumor at the age of three. So a very young girl passing. Yeah. So shortly after that, though, he did begin a series of robberies, um, three of which had the same pattern. First, he lured a random victim into a remote rest area to get into his vehicle. He killed the victims with his service weapon by shooting them in the head. And after the crime, he would then drive the stolen vehicle to a bank to rob it. Um, he would be masked, smash the windows of the ticket counter with a sledgehammer and take the cash and then would escape in the vehicle. The series of murders worried the residents for more than a year. And the unknown predator was soon dubbed in the media the hammer killer, even though the sledgehammer wasn't his murder tool. But he had a very strict routine. Okay. His first victim was on May 3rd, 1984. He was a 47-year-old engineer, commercial traveler, Sigrid Fitzer. Um, he was found dead, shot in the head on a highway rest stop in Marbach, West Germany. You're doing um, your absolute best. I really am. To I'm be trying honest, so you hard. sound better than I do anytime I pick a case that I'm, has I'm just going for it at names. this point. I even looked up like the pronunciations, and I was like, I'm just going to have to have like the little thing and go, beep and play it instructions so. <laughs> unclear dick stuck in a blender honest to god <laughs> instructions unclear egg and ceiling fan i don't know anymore <laughs> but his car was found a quarter mile from his body and was linked to the robbery that happened the same day the assailant had smashed the teller window with a ledge hammer with a ledge hammer wow a sledge hammer and had taken the money from the teller i'm sorry despite- but the second time you said sledge hammer um, Sledgehammer by Fifth Harmony started playing in my head. <laughs> we are chaos. And despite the extensive police investigation, the initial search was very unsuccessful. And then on December 21st, a 37-year-old named Eugene Wethley, he was an English person living in Nuremberg. Um, he was found shot dead in the rest stop area of Gross Boudoir. Um, and a week later, his car was used in a robbery in Klebron, obviously, by Norberg. And then on July... 22nd of 1985 a 26-year-old was killed and found shot dead in a parking lot he was obviously shot with a service weapon and his car was later used in another robbery in spielberg they subsequently formed the soko hammer quote-unquote they were a, basically an investigative team um, and their headquarters was in botwar school center which was one of the largest operations in west germany's post-war period in the next four months, 540 clues were investigated and 1,400 people were questioned. So they were definitely out there looking. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just somehow getting by. Um, on July 5th... Did he investigate any of his own stuff? Like, I don't think so because he was part of the K-9 having... division. Okay. So he wasn't in like the like the regular investigative area. So it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he did. And he didn't bother to hide any of the bodies or anything like that? Mm-mm. They were very blatantly like just there. He'd keep them in the car and drive off and then park the car somewhere else and keep them in there. So. Oh, okay. On July 5th, 1985, the lead police station in Stuttgart publicly announced on a show program that they requested help from the viewers. And after the show, um, a movie was used to reconstruct the previous murders and raids and the criminal police did not receive any decisive information from the public. It was belief that his wife had seen the pod, not the podcast. <laughs> it's believed that his wife had seen the broadcast as well. Okay. So, I mean, it's happening in their area and he's just 
chilling, living his life incognito. And then on September 29th, 1985, while searching Ludwigburg Railway Station for bombs, um, anti-terrorist officers found a police uniform in one of the lockers. And they were like, hmm, what the fuck? And they found out that it matched um, Norbert, a veteran police officer of 14 years. He said it had been left there after a quick change of a family member's funeral, and police became suspicious when they discovered no recent family deaths, um, but that his daughter died of cancer in 1984. Mm. So, obviously, they were like, this is kind of fishy. Yeah. Your shit's, like, in the middle of town. Just a little bit. What the hell? What the hell? Literally. The investigation was picking up, and then on October 14th, Pollock requested um, some sick leave. And several days later, police went to his home to ask him some questions regarding the murders and robberies. And with no one answering and fearing that he had fled, the officers entered the house. They found that his wife had been shot in the head twice in the bathroom and in one of their bedrooms. Their son, Adrian, was also shot dead. Three days later, on October 23rd, Pollock and his other son, Gabriel, were found shot dead. And it was a clear murder-suicide. He was in his car in Torican, a village near Brindisi, Italy. And his pistol was confirmed to be the murder weapon of all the murders. And so they were able to close out the case as it was him. Because they were able to match the bolts to a service mm. weapon. Did they convict him of all of the murders? Yeah, basically, yeah. He's 100% guilty. Um, unfortunately, there was no trial, though, because he did kill himself and his whole family. So he ended up being a family annihilator on top of being oh, okay. a serial we killer. We love that. So was it yeah. as soon as like he knew he was going to get caught? He basically, killed- once he realized it was on that they were like on him, he was like, I'm dipping. And I'm killing everybody else. I don't know why. Maybe they found out or were starting to be like, wow, this is really matching up with my dad's time away or my husband's time. So, unfortunately, he killed everybody, including himself. So, there's never really any justice for the victims. But they were able to close the case and they they knew who it was. So That shit fucking sucks, though. I hate it. When they kill themselves before they get to go to jail. Yeah, it's such a... You want to be big and bold, fucking be big and bold and go to jail too, bitch. You yeah. know, don't be a pussy about it. Mm-hmm. Co- like, you did it, commit, like, 100%. Um, but yeah, so that was my case. Yay, I'm so happy and positive. I know, right? Just such a grand old time. We're living it up. Um, I'm gonna... And I'm ready for your shock. I was going to say, story. I guess, take it over. I know Jordan knows this one. I texted her about it earlier, and I apologize in advance because this man is awful. There was so much information that I could not include at all. So I do not have all of the victims listed. And I'm going to give you guys an article. Well, I don't even know if it's an article. It's something that's research that someone did that you guys can go look at if you want to know everything because they have all the shit that happened after my guy as well. So here we go. Gerard John Schaefer Jr. was born on March 25th, 1946. Also, blanket, trigger warning, there's rape. There's everything, so yeah. be warned. Um, yeah, rape, murder, child victims, cannibalism, Yeah, the whole He's nine He's a yards. big yikes. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he was born on March 25th, 1946 in Wisconsin. His father was a traveling salesman for Kimberly Clark. They, I don't know what the fuck that means or if I'm It's a business. To... Hold okay. on. I, it's like, um, what is it part of? I'm about to Google it. And I'm going to be like, wow, I feel like a dumb bitch. Please okay. hold. <laughs> Kleenex, Kotex, Cottonelle, Scott, okay. Huggies. It's a lot They're, of fucking brands. Kimberly Clark, it's it's a big thing. It covers a lot of stuff. You'll it's see it on the packaging. Disney. That's what I was yeah. We're in the business. That's what I was like, I know what it is. They make a lot of paper products. Okay. Um, so they eventually moved to a suburb in atlanta georgia where gerard attended marist academy a catholic 
para, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Send help. Parishal, I think. Parishal school. I don't know what that means. I'm so sorry. Police described his early life as I- idyllic, but Schaefer did not feel that way. He recalled his parents having a bad relationship. His father was critical of his mother while also favoring his daughter, which made Schaefer want to be a girl. He had thoughts of suicide, and at the age of 12, he discovered women's panties and began to masturbate while wearing them. He practiced masochistic bondage, tying himself to a tree, struggling to get free, and this would cause him to get sexually excited, and then he would do something to hurt himself. Mm -hmm. This escalated, and he began fantasizing about hurting other people, and particularly women. Also, there were several instances coming up that someone had the chance to step in and fucking yeah. help or like yeah they really just like this. let him be and it was one of those things not where you should not, not have they let him sent be him the psychologists and he took tests and stuff and told them about his urges before it started and no one did anything that's what i'm saying they really just let him be they were like we're gonna try and then we're just gonna let you down in the yeah, end. No, like this case is definitely one of those ones where i think if there was intervention it would not have ever gotten this far it might have Maybe gotten a little intense, but not as bad as it becomes. No, and I sure. feel like definitely could have been redirected an, a different route. Yeah, just an opinion. I feel like if someone is having homicidal urges and they take the step to seek help, they should immediately be admitted. And oh, they for be sure. Admitted indefinitely until they're certain that it's not going to yeah persist outside of that. But especially when it's linked to arousal, because that is bad a warning sign mm-hmm. fucking flashing red lights Always the train is coming and you cannot get off the mm-hmm. tracks <laughs> um so they moved to fort lauderdale florida in 1960 he met his girlfriend cindy at the age of 14 and saw her for the next three years she would participate in scripted rape scenarios with him which is just him ripping her clothes off and mm-hmm. all that jazz she left him in 1964 and i don't i think it was because of the rape games because he yeah. didn't want to stop doing it his next girlfriend was 17 year old sandy stewart she grew tired of witnessing the violent clashes with his father and hearing tales of cindy and their rape games so she left him but he stalked her for a bit while she dated other boys and eventually gave up mm-hmm. he also confessed his homicidal urges to his creative writing teacher who referred him to the college's counselor shaver told dr neil crispo he wanted to join the army because he would like to kill things. I even like to shoot cows now. And it was much worse than him just shooting the cows because he would shoot and kill the livestock, behead the animals, and then rape their carcasses. Ew. Yeah, it's it's gross. Yeah, I'm kind of disassociating because I know it's going to get better. Physically uncomfy. <laughs> he graduated college in 1967 with an associate's degree. He entered, I don't know why this man tried to go to college 8,000 times, and I'm a little confused since he graduated with an associate's degree, but he entered Florida Atlantic University in January of 1968, seeking a teaching certificate. However, his grades failed to support a student deferment, and he was ordered to report for his for his army physical. To get out of this, he left a suicide note and fled, admitting he did it to help him get the deferment. Dr. Raymond Killings referred sheriff well, backtrack, Dr. Raymond Killings referred Schaefer for emergency psychiatric testing. Mm-hmm. Again, there's a second one. On May 17th, 1968, testing revealed no suicidal urges, but his psychological disorganization is severe and his frustration level is low. I would take a stance and say that maybe his frustration level is a little bit higher than low. 
but I want to understand what testing they did that that yeah. was their determination. They were like, "Nah, he's fine." Yeah, it's like who's who's the average person that they are going <laughs> off of? I need to know. Yeah, he claimed he was very open about cross dressing, which he supposedly did that to beat the draft. But I don't believe that it was just to beat the draft. If it started when he was. I think maybe it was for himself mentally for him to like kind of cope with it. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But he was it. There was no one supports this claim. Like anyone who interacted with him in those years was like, no, he never said anything about it. He did receive a, what it says, a one Y deferment for mental, moral and physical reasons. I don't know what the fuck that means. I could not tell you because it's all I got. And I tried to search out what that search what that means and the internet didn't tell me either i'm also one why the draft dodge claim surfaced after oh the draft dodge i understand now when i even typed <laughs> claimed <laughs> after it surfaced after the police searched his mother's home in 1973 and found snapshots of him dressed in lingerie so it definitely wasn't just for let me get out of the draft it was yeah, yeah i just feel like it wasn't as any of this behavior was accepted back then too so i think it was a way for him to kind of excuse the behavior for less judgment too mm-hmm. that's why i think maybe that's why you try to use it that way maybe fragile masculinity sure yeah for sure schaefer married martha fogg in december of 1968 a year later he failed as a student teacher and was fired for imposing his moral and political views on the students he was jobless for several months after stewing in anger of his failure as a priest and teacher and he convinced himself that indecent women and prostitutes should be destroyed for the welfare of society yikes not the first won't be the last last either but still a big yikes on september (laughs) it's literally that part's giving um the very first guy that i covered mikhail yes loves to indulge in it Mm -hmm. can't can't handle it hate it on september 8th 1969 charles bonadies bonadies came home to a note from lee hainline which was his wife saying she had gone to miami this came after announcing her childhood neighbor offered her a twenty thousand dollar salary to join the cia charles laughed at the idea and told her to forget it she never came back and her car was later found in a fort lauderdale parking lot schaefer was their former neighbor lee's brother called him and schaefer informed him that lee had called and asked him for a ride to the airport for a flight to cincinnati Mm -hmm. he agreed and claimed she never called back to give him a departure time her husband filed for divorce on october 6 his petition was granted on march 10 1970 nothing more was heard from her however in 1973 when police searched doris schaefer's home her jewelry was found yeah so I'll get to it at the end, but Carmen Marie Halleck, a 22-year-old cocktail waitress, had lunch with her sister-in-law discussing a date she had planned for the evening. Halleck said she was meeting a teacher who offered her a job involving some kind of undercover work for the government. She missed work the next night, and when she had not been seen by Christmas, her relatives used a spare key to check her apartment. They found the bathtub full and her dog unfed. Her car was found in a nearby parking lot a few days later again when doris schaefer's home was searched 1973 they found two of her gold filed teeth and a shamrock pin identified by her family and i like how for both of these victims he used the like i can get you a job with a bunch of money yeah and then they just disappear because unfortunately that is a big drawn for people Mm -hmm. and then 
Having his other ventures fail, Charles sought out law enforcement. He was hired by Wilton Manor's Police Department on September 3, 1971. He was sent back to Broward Community College, this time to the school's police academy. He graduated in December of 1971 and began his six-month probationary term. Another local woman disappeared just three weeks after this started. Yeah. Other missing women include Belinda Hutchins in 1972. Her husband and daughter watched her climb into a blue sedan to watch well to which she never returned and i read there was some stuff about her being a drug addict and all and other kinds of things mm-hmm. beforehand the article that i'm going to tell everybody to read has all the information that happened to her but i just like i need to cut some of this yeah. um an unnamed woman who disappeared soon after being pulled over by patrolman schaefer 21-year-old Nancy Leichner and 20-year-old Pamela Later vanished in 1966 from a picnic in the Ocala National Forest, and I'm sorry in advance, but 9-year-old Peggy Rand and 8-year-old Wendy Stevenson both vanished from the beach. On December 29, 1970, a white man in his 26 feet tall and around 200 pounds was seen with them, um, buying them ice cream, and then the girls remain missing to this day Schaefer denied involvement publicly but confessed in a letter dated April 19th 1989 I am annoyed by all this murder talk Peggy and Wendy just happened along at a time when I was curious about fish's craving Albert Fish the cannibal yeah. for the flesh of young girls I assure you these girls were not molested sexually I found them both very satisfactory partic- particularly with sautéed onions and peppers he's fucking disgusting yeah and the final nail in the coffin victims occurred when Schaefer was out on bond awaiting trial for the Trotter Wells abduction in Martin County. 17-year-old Pamela Wells and 18-year-old Nancy Trotter were on the highway near a local beach hitchhiking. Schaefer pulled over and told them it was illegal in Martin County and drove them back to the halfway house that they were staying. He offered to meet them the next day and drive them to the beach himself. He forced them out of the car at gunpoint, bound them both um, I think they were tied around the tree and had a noose around their neck, mm. and he made them like balance on the tree roots. Yeah. And he he then received a call from his police department that he had to take, and he told them that he would be back shortly. Which I don't know why he'd be like, "I'll be back." Like, I don't know. It was weird. The fact that he even left them was even stupid. more than it already was. Mm-hmm. While gone, the girls managed to escape, and when he returned, he called Sheriff Richard Crowder. And stated, I've done something foolish. You're going to be mad at me. His excuse for this was that he was trying to scare them away from hitchhiking. So like, they wouldn't yeah, because that's hurt. fucking rational. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just so normal. That's got to be standard training. Everybody loves that. Um, I definitely would totally want this done to me, for me to learn mm-hmm. my lesson. Because, you know, this is normal thinking. The fuck? Like, what kind yeah. of loser-ass excuse? Mm-hmm. Like, that always gets me. Like, you're such a loser. At trial in November of 1972, he pled guilty to one assault and was sentenced to a year in Johnny... Whoa. Me too. I wanted to say Johnny (laughs) Kale. (laughs) Not (laughs) correct. I'm also a Johnny (laughs) Kale. Was sentenced to a year in county jail to be followed up by three years probation. But while he was out on bond for this, September 27th, 1972, 17-year-old Susan Place and Georgia Jessup vanished from Fort Lauderdale. Lucille Place which is Susan's mom, mm. noted that she, she knew she remembered Schaefer's license plate number along with a description of his blue-green Datsun. I don't know why it says that. Is that a thing? Am I wrong? 
Because that's, that's what it said on the article. That's probably a type of car. Okay. Well, we know I'm not good with cars. Cause... Me either. So I'm just going to go with that's a type of car, especially because it said the color. But there so. was that fucking car, the grandma who drove to Florida to kill people yeah. and gamble. And I didn't I was like, couldn't pronounce the name of that car and he made fun of me. Yeah, that one, I don't know. <laughs> that was, one was, like, pretty easy. It was, like, a sedan or something weird I don't like remember that. We were like, was. I don't know. <laughs> it was March 25th, 1973, when they tracked the plate back to Schaefer, to which he was already in jail for the abductions. On April 1st, 1973, the remains of Jessup and Place were found with evidence that they had been tied to a tree and butchered. On April 7th, police searched his mother's home and found everything I previously stated as well as a stash of women's jewelry, 100-plus pages of writing and sketches depicting mutilation murders, mutilation slash murders of young women, newspaper clippings about two women missing in 1969, and pieces of ID belonging to missing hitchhikers Colette Goodenough and Barbara Wilcox, both 19. Both had last been seen on January 8th, a week before Schaefer went to Martin County Jail, which, so because his crime was as violent as it was in nature even without murder i don't understand why they even let him be out on bond the probably because he was a police officer probably they were like, it's but what the fuck but their yeah. remains were found in 1977 no cause of death could be determined thus no charges were filed and then in 1970 well october 1973 schaefer was sentenced to two life sentences and he was later found stabbed to death by Vincent Faustino in his cell on December 3rd, oh, 1995 uh, after an argument over who would get the final cup of hot water from a dispenser. Vincent, it wasn't a good reason, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for doing everyone a good service. The not that I condone was, murder, but... Yeah, he's he's not a good person either. He's not a great person, He was though. in jail for also murder. I just don't know why well, he Well, I mean, murder. it makes sense. He murdered once. Why not just do it again? He's probably already <laughs> in there for life. He's like, it's shit. Why not, not that I condone it, but you killed a good one. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sorry for the awful cases. Live, laugh, love. He, True this crime. one made me really uncomfy because yeah, it has a lot of uncomfortable shit. And I'm also gonna fuck dead animals and then eat yeah. people and all kinds of stuff. It just he really said, let me check off as many boxes as possible. Yeah, and the worst part is he really did reach out for help, and he was just let down by the mental health care system mm-hmm. so many times. So. But I also don't know if he was already killing during that time as well. Yeah. Because there are tons of fucking victims. That I mean, he honestly could have been. It was like, be I can't to. stop. Help. And they were just like, no, your stress is low. You're fine. Go. Yeah. Go live your life. Your frustration's low. Go. Go After be free. he just wrote a suicide note yeah. to get out of going into the army. I mean, live your truth, I guess. I don't, I don't know. This one's fucking crazy and it just bothers me. Yeah. Because it was good. like so many letdowns of it. So. So. Today's the first, and I just realized that, so I'm going to... What is it? You guys are going to get four episodes of bonus content this month, and it will all be out by the 15th. Well, on the 15th. I'm just going to have it all posted that night. Well, that day. Um, Quadruple feature. Yes. To make up for last month not having anything. Tomorrow's my last day at McDonald's, so again, I will have more time to do all this, and it will make my life a lot easier, and... If you would like to support the show, Jordan has our email linked in our Instagram. Yes. I'm going to make a link tree soon. So that way, if you're not sure what platform you could listen to it on easily, it'll have all of them there. And we do have a Patreon. You can find us at c-3podcast. We have three tiers. One of them is a dollar where you will gain access to the bonus content, which I will no longer be slacking on after today. 
and five dollars a month me and jordan need to workshop yep thank you for your contribution to society if you, that's what you're at and you'll I, get one foot pick <laughs> a month <laughs> at I, this point because i am gonna probably start selling my feet I'm so dead. get ready everybody I, but i do appreciate it and anyone who has supported us this far we love you and then for 15 dollars a month bonus content and then you get to pick either the episode topic or both cases the episodes basically yours and a, a cocktail to pair it with which by the way because i'm a broke bitch we you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of repeats until i go up a tax bracket or two but <laughs> i'm drinking hoop tea again and it's the mango flavor which is actually my favorite out of the brand it did slap yeah and that's on murder period